0: Hi, and welcome to Brothers Without Banners. I'm Dan, and I'm here with my brother Michael to help lead him through his first time reading A Song of Ice and Fire. We'll be diving into the chapters we're discussing today and those we read before. But the only spoilers beyond the chapters we discuss today will come from Michael's big memories of the first three seasons of Game of Thrones, the TV show which he watched a decade ago. Today we're discussing Ned 9 and Danny 4 of A Game of Thrones. How you doing, Michael? You know, I'm
1: doing all right, Dan. I'm doing all right.
0: How are you? I'm good. We're back. We're back on schedule. I have a microphone again. Apologies it's, for that last time.
1: I feel like nobody's listening for you anyway. Like I think that maybe it worked out better.
0: Yeah. If we can just pitch me down to silent. Yeah. Uh, it's not <laughs> You'll just
1: hear me pod. being like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> just, mm, that's all anybody wants anyway. That's why we listen to podcasts. Did you have an idea for a podcast? Like back when we lived together a while ago, where it was just the sound of somebody eating alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then you could play
1: it when you're <laughs> eating alone, and it would be like having another stranger with you. Remember,
0: you said the first episode was going to be spaghetti and sauce. Oh. Just, just... I the woke up and I chose time.
1: destruction. I mean, I yeah, chose... no,
0: that was, I'm really glad you never made that. You would have made me listen to it. Yeah, well, making a podcast these days is easy. Like, maybe I'll just do it. <laughs> I won't listen to it this time. Okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, should we should we get into things here? We've got a couple of good chapters to go through.
1: Yeah, it's funny. So I, last episode we uh, we left off with just doing a recap. There's lots of stuff unanswered, but it does seem like things are ramping up at this point. And I don't think these chapters let us down at all. Actually, no. they seem to be amping
0: up uh, one which- one chapter more than the other. Uh, this is fair. The difficulty of two at a time. We you know we couldn't cram it quite as full, but I think that's probably for the best.
1: That's that's fair. Although I do think I do think the other chapter has some meat on its bones. So, uh, Absolutely. but Definitely we'll we'll get there as we get there. So we're going to kick off today's episode with chapter the first chapter that we read for 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 today's episode. Let me just Ned, say today's uh, episode one more time.
0: Uh, <laughs> Ned, Ned nine. Yeah.
1: Ned Ned nine. And uh, if we if we recall the last chapter of Ned that we Tell read uh, was basically he put his foot down in front of the king and said, I can't be part of this if you're gonna try to kill basically Daenerys, right? Like there's word that Daenerys across the ocean, this Targaryen is uh pregnant, is with child, and King Robert Baratheon says, we gotta, we gotta put her, put her down, basically. And Ned says, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. He resigns, he hands in his badge and gun or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and right as he's really making plans to just get out of uh, of Westeros. Uh, Lord Baelish, uh, Littlefinger, knocks on the door and says, hey, don't leave. Let's go to this brothel that you've been looking for, that John Aaron was going to. Right, And that's where we pick up. We pick up at the brothel. Um, and to be honest, I was actually, I, I'd like to start with a question, which is, did I miss something here? I feel
0: like- What do you mean?
1: Well, I feel like Ned wanted to go to this brothel because it was going to have information or well, something- yeah and then he's there but like the chapter starts them like time to leave the brothel. <laughs> well
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean uh, look, we're repeating ourselves a little bit here, right? Like John Aaron was investigating King Robert's bastards. We found one. We watched him find one. Now he finds another. We don't need to see that. I guess so. <laughs> you want, you want you want to be with him for every moment of the day? I want to see so it.
1: Well, I guess more than that you is that You just wanted to
0: go into the brothel. I
1: want to check out the brothel. Uh
0: <laughs> Sir George no, gets it, to do it. The t- see, this is the problem. This is your vague memories. Of the TV show kicking in because pretty much everything that first season just happened in the brothel with naked ladies around.
1: It's just naked people. Naked they women. Invented naked invented
0: new term for it. it. was sex. Sex position. Sex position. I love it was, that. It was it was exposition with sex. It was great. I
1: adore that. That's. I want more of my life to involve that.
0: Okay, so you're not getting that from this chapter. Okay, but anyway,
1: the point is, is that like. I didn't think that much happened. Well, let me take it back. While not a lot of sex and action was happening at the brothel in this chapter, (laughs) uh, it really, the first part of this chapter is really a conversation between Ned and Littlefinger. They continue to have their sort of spat together. Ned kind of puts his foot down. He's like, you need to pull it together a little bit, dude. You can't talk to me this way you assume you presume too much yeah. uh, which i was glad to see Nen like you know grow a backbone a little bit
0: and there's also a moment uh where L- little finger in my opinion his first moderately funny joke he makes it then follows up with little finger laughed at his own joke which seems to always be the case we saw this in the the council meetings too he's just cracking these like risqué jokes and everybody just kind of looks at him while he chuckles to himself and then they go back to it pretty great the one i did enjoy though i, I He's talking about why he invested in brothels. And he says whores seldom sink. And when they are boarded by pirates, why the pirates pay good coin like they everyone pay good else. Coin. Yeah. It's <laughs> a, <that's> a solid line. <laughs> I'll give him that I one like that.
1: Um, but with that said, so they get into a conversation. And and I think the conversation, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Ned's continuing his inquiry basically. He's getting insight from Littlefinger. What What do you understand of what John Aaron was looking at? What what do you understand about, what have you heard about the King's Bastards, basically?
0: It feels to me almost like Ned isn't trying to get information here, but is kind of thinking out loud with Littlefinger as like a sounding board.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I think that's fair. Although I don't think a lot comes out of it. There was a line early on in their conversation. uh, It's not in their conversation, but but Ned's thinking to himself. He recalls something that Liana had said before her passing, which is that... King Robert Robert at the time, uh, but Robert would never stake to one bed uh mm-hmm. and and I think, you know, and we see a good amount of it in this chapter, but uh, you know, I think there's there's a uh, mm, I want to use the word stupidity, like like there's kind of a stupidity to Robert that I don't think Ned allows himself to see because of their Child. childhood relationships It keeps coming out and Ned continues to feel shocked by it. But I think he's starting to question this and you start to hear him kind of say it. He's like, man, maybe I've kind of, I mean, I'm going to say chosen the wrong side, but I don't mean that by, you know, in terms of sides during the war or anything. But right. it's like, he seems to have really like saddled himself with somebody who is not the most honorable and not yeah. the best of people to be around.
0: Well, I, I definitely want to get into and break down this kind of internal monologue Ned has before he starts talking to Baelish. But let's linger on this for a minute because... I think you're you're coming to a really interesting point here. We've seen so much of Ned's interior thought process and how he's thinking about the political world and about the rebellion and what led them here. And it's really quite sad. He's so wrapped up in Robert's rebellion. They both are in this mm-hmm. part of their, has, their past. Ned lost his family. Robert lost his betrothed. And he's kind of looking around now for not quite the first time, but the first major time and saying... We didn't really change much with that. Right. And I think there's just such a deep sadness, such a deep disappointment for him uh and for both of them there's so much melancholy coming from it from Ned because it didn't actually change the system in the ways he thought he was fighting for and he saw mm-hmm. some of that right after the rebellion that's what I was referencing with the murder of Rhaegar and Elia's children mm-hmm. uh and then he went away he went away for 15 years and he comes back and he kind of looks around and everything is corrupt and everybody's sniping at each other and Robert's not really paying attention and is also continuing to order the murder of children he's saying what did we fight for Robert, on the flip side, is also really fascinating because it wasn't about changing things. It's just he can't come to terms with who he is these days, uh, with who he's become and and what it means to get old and what it means to lose people and all of that. And he can't come to grips to it, with it at all.
1: And I think, too, extending on the, the sort of insights on Robert is that, you know, I think time and time again, we are seeing that Robert really shouldn't have and doesn't deserve and and doesn't want to be king he would be much better fit to just be Lord of some shit area or whatever it is. And just like, fuck who he wants and, and kind of be the barbarian that he wants to be. He does no interest in the the sort of the, the levels that he is being held to in his position. So yeah, it's interesting to see it. And I, and I also think too that, that it, again, to the, to the positive side of the writing of these book of this book is that, you know, there's sort of a, an extra level of, of, Travesty here for both these characters. They're they're kind of stuck yeah. with this lot. You can't quit being king per se, right? Uh, and even though Ned has resigned as Hand of the King, he, it's not like he's going to be able to get away from this situation uh and and where it goes. So so it's 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 kind of heartbreaking a little bit. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You ignore that the they're rich and in power,
0: right? Of course, I mean. The, the other thing I was thinking with this also is with Robert. I mean, this the rebellion happened 15 years ago. They were pretty much kids. We know that, you know, mm-hmm. late teens or something along those lines. And we said last week, I I made the comparison of Robert with kind of a, a curdled older brand, in a sense, mm. uh, of the interest in the stories and the martial side and glory that comes with war and fighting and being strong and manly and a knight. And it seems almost like Robert has some arrested development from surrounding the war he got to this point he got to live out those stories uh you know at least the the little glimpses we've had of the rebellion and that was all good and then he got to the end and looked around and the woman he loved that he was fighting for wasn't there anymore yeah you know whatever else it might be he ended up losing and so he kind of summited that mountain and then can't figure out where to go from there
1: yeah that's really fair uh
0: but to get back to the book so the chapter starts in the brothel as
1: Ned and Littlefinger and their small entourage are leaving. Ned yeah. has this sort of internal dialogue, and he's really dwelling on the bastards of Robert. In fact, goes into some detail, of more color than, than I think deep information. But he shares about these other bastards of Robert that he's aware of. In fact, goes on to basically kind of make a comment to himself that like, man, Robert would promise the sun and the moon uh, yeah. as they went to bed and then wake up without remembering who this person is ever.
0: Yeah. Uh And And Ned specifically thinks of that as a contrast with himself. Uh, And, you know, this comes straight out of the conversation he had in the brothel where the, the young virgin prostitute, formerly virgin prostitute, uh, he meets has a small baby named Bera. It is Robert's baby daughter. Uh, Looks like Robert has his hair and she just wants Robert to come and like be the father and live with her. And that is obviously a nonsense dream because he's the king and, she's in a brothel uh and that says yeah like i'll I'll talk to him for you and he thinks to himself i actually will because this is my curse i keep these promises even when it's in service of this very white lie that he's telling to this woman yeah uh the other thing he thinks about here though uh which you referenced but i do want to get into in more detail is, is this thought process with liana uh mm-hmm. and thinking back on that and so the beginning of it, clearly, this is why it's on his mind. He thinks of Liana telling him after she got betrothed to Robert that, you know, he was always going to cheat on her and uh, and he's not going to change his nature. And Ned tries to convince her that that's not true. Uh, yeah, he has a child in the veil already that looks like him uh, and is his bastard baby, but you know, it's it's he's gonna be better now that he's betrothed to you. And she's like, No, that's absolute nonsense. And we've talked about both sides of this before, the idea that maybe Robert didn't know ned has referenced didn't know who liana was and kind of had this idealized version of her but then also the way he blames who he is now on the loss of her when even back then she was saying like she was predicting who we've seen in effect
1: in the funniest of ways and i think you've even alluded or, or even said this directly right but like robert is really just another iteration of you know the sansa type character you know the the really buying into the storyline that he's telling himself the narrative around who he thinks his character is rather than the human situations around him and i think it's it's showing more and more especially as ned's trying to dig into this and facing his own misconceptions you know and yeah. his his poor perceptions on on situations
0: absolutely but then the last thing with liana here and, and i want single this out here and talk about it briefly when he's thinking about how he always keeps his vows specifically with respect to this girl that he had just talked to he thinks of the promises he'd made to liana as she lay dying and the price he would paid to keep them this is the third time we've seen this brought up uh, it was in each of ned's first couple of chapters i don't know if you remember this uh, but now it's coming back coming up again you know another halfway through the book or so did this stand out to you in any way did you have any thoughts here
1: it did. I had a big question mark next to it. What the hell was the promise that he made her on her deathbed?
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you.
1: No, but I want you to tell me. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll uh, tell you when we've seen it before.
1: So, yeah, I don't, it did stand out to me. I, you know, it, it, it said, it's funny because the, the line before it stood out to me as well, which is that, you know, Ned Ned keeps his vows, right? And he made a vow to Liana as well. Um, but I couldn't remember for the life of me what it was that he promised her I think it was something along the lines of like, you know, keeping keeping the the kingdom in the direction it needs to go or trying to stay true to. No, I have no idea. Well,
0: I mean, it, that might be the answer, but that has never been said, certainly. Hmm. Uh, all right. Let, let me tell you where it's come up before.
1: OK, so the first time yeah. and when you say yeah. come up, it's that like, are you saying that? the promise that he made has come up or the fact that
0: he made a promise has come up the fact that he made a promise and Ned Ned has thought back on this on her deathbed scene gotcha twice before okay good so I'm not an idiot idiot no 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 no, no, you're not missing it and if your answer to this is you're not sure then then we'll move on but I just wanted to start singling it out because we're getting it repeated here uh so the first one is Ned and Robert go down to the crypts for Robert Mm -hmm. to pay his respects to her when he first arrives at Winterfell and Robert says And this actually ties some, too, into the discussion we were just having about Robert and Leanna. But Robert says she should be on a hill somewhere under a fruit tree with the sun and clouds above her and the rain to wash her clean. I was with her when she died, Ned reminded the king. She wanted to come home to rest beside Brandon and father. He could hear her still at times. Promise me she had cried in a room that smelled of blood and roses. Promise me, Ned. The fever had taken her strength and her voice had been as faint as a whisper. But when he gave her his word, the fear had gone out of his sister's eyes. So that's the first one. The second one is they're on the way down to King's Landing, they go out riding together that whole scene, and they get into an argument the first time over Daenerys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after that, they start talking about the Lannisters. Ned is explaining to him why he doesn't trust the Lannisters, and in particular, Jamie. Uh, He says, you were not there. There was no honor in that conquest, referring to the sack of King's Landing. The others take your honor, Robert swore. What did any Targaryen ever know of honor? Go down into your crypt and ask Lyanna about the dragon's honor. You avenged Lyanna at the trident, Ned said, halting behind the king. Promise me, Ned, she had whispered. That did not bring her back, Robert looked away.
1: I think Lyanna must be Jon Snow's mother. What makes you say that? Because it's ambiguous and nobody's giving me direct answers.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, you're going to have to support claims like that. Yeah, come out of the blue like that,
1: I I'm saying it more tongue in cheek than anything else, but I mean, like, I I can't honestly imagine that Ned slept with his sister.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, we have seen multiple families engaged in incest so far.
1: That's true, but but I'll I'll say, like, Ned Ned strikes me as somebody not to do that, and and but
0: yeah i agree but I really honorable don't... ned stark probably not having a baby with his sister
1: but i'll say though i mean like look like at a more serious vein although this is absolute speculation and not based on anything right like there are these this is not a word but ambiguatized mysteries so you're uh, just
0: mushing them all together into one
1: well the thing is is that it's
0: like yes that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs>
1: I I just I want to I'm I'm so desperate for a thread I'm so Uh desperate for something to start connecting it I'm I'm delighted to hear that like it's it hasn't the answer hasn't been given yet uh you know that I didn't just miss that answer somewhere but but I don't know what he would have to promise Liana Liana and I'm I'm scratching my head to try to think about like what Liana's story is right Uh Liana daughter at winterfell you know she's the sister to ned she wasn't part of you know the the whatever is called the sort of fostering that ned and robert had with john aaron right uh the warding if you will you know obviously betrothed to to robert baratheon who then was becoming king and all of this she died from fever it's not like she was murdered
0: per se but he he references you know avenging her by killing Rhaegar. Yeah. And there's the whole. Sorry, continue.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I'm hesitant because I'm 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 stretching my brain to try to think of like what. Yeah, maybe she was raped by Rhaegar. Maybe maybe Jon Snow is her child that Ned decided to take in and, you know, kind of raise himself. But again, like I can guess all I want. I have nothing to there's well, nothing. I mean, unpack
0: like... that a little bit. Dude.
1: I mean, so well, let me let me turn it back to you, though. I don't remember exactly the story of what happened to Lyanna and what her relationship was to the Targaryens. I know that we have the avenging her. I know that she died of fever. I know that she got brought back to Winterfell. I know that a war happened and Robert is trying to, you know, fight for her and who she was. But I don't have we talked specifics? Have we read specifics so far that I'm just forgetting about, like, what happened to Lyanna? She's only been like a like a shadow of a side character to me. You right know, an idea inside conversations much more than a storyline as i remember
0: okay so so we've got a little bit of background on liana and you're right she has been mostly a side character uh we have here you know robert says that he avenged her by killing rhaegar he references he he asks in one of the sections i just read you know how many times did rhaegar rape your sister before she died uh so there are those references there uh, so that's really, really the core of the events that we have that you're not talking about. We also get that she, uh, Arya reminds Ned of her in looks and also in behavior. We have some references to her being very hard, hard as iron, you know, that that Ned tells Robert, you saw the beauty, but not the iron underneath. And she had some of the wolf blood, blood he tells Arya too. Uh, she had some of the wolf blood, he tells Arya too. And so she has a lot of that kind of maybe not quite tomboyish, because obviously Robert was interested and we know how where he falls on that, hmm. but certainly not feminine in the world of like a Catlin or a Sansa. Right. So that's really the background we have on her there. But that's that's it. I mean, that's, that's no, everything I understand. we're working on.
1: And, and again, I, I, sorry to sound like such a moron, right? But like, Rhaegar is which of the Targaryens? He, he wasn't the king, king, was he? No, he, he was, was the... the
0: crown prince. Okay, yeah. So he, so the Mad King, his oldest son was Rhaegar, and then he had Viserys and Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Rhaegar was married to Elia of Dorne, who is just of the Dornish house. Yeah, we haven't gotten into uh, We Dorne don't, that exactly. Much. And they had two kids who were the babies that the Lannisters and the Lannister men killed when they came and sacked King's Landing. We've also had some other, you know, just little discussions of Rhaegar here and there, in particular around Danny's chapters. But you know, he he's referenced, like Jorah has referenced him as, you know, Viserys isn't really like him, right? Um, that's really the the most characterization we've gotten there.
1: I mean, so it sounds like there just isn't an answer right now. It's just like, yeah, I know, I'm just fr- Ugh, I'm frustrated, Dan. I'm frustrated. <laughs> I want this answers. Is, this is the
0: problem with the middle part. We we can keep moving here. We can keep moving. You did. Yeah. It. You you know, you just brought up John here though, so it is worth mentioning. Uh he gets brought up in the book too, which might be why you're thinking of him. It is.
1: It's the next note that I have is just there's yeah, a mention yeah, of Jon Snow. Ahead. And so that's well, and yeah, it's not even that there's much to to add. It's it's Ned thinks of Jon Snow as he's writing and before he, you know, sort of at the tail end of his internal thoughts about uh you know Robert and his bastard children. And then yeah, Liana, yeah. the promise to Liana, and then Jon Snow gets brought up. And then Ned goes into conversation with Littlefinger to talk about Robert's uh, bastard kids.
0: Yeah. And uh, Ned has this nice little thought here that I like. It. If the gods frown so on bastards, why did they fill men with such lusts? I like, like that it, too.
1: Yeah, I saw that as well.
0: You know, it's, it's a nice little, I mean, it's not really a critique. He doesn't get that far. But yeah, the, the social structures that we talk about with John, it's just a little question of, you know, what are we even doing here? Even but, if Ned doesn't quite hear it as such.
1: But I will say that the story then continues. Ned turns the conversation over to Littlefinger and basically says, well, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you know around the King's Bastards, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To which Littlefinger basically says, yeah, he's got he's got a bunch of them. There's like a <laughs> lot of them out there. The man has <laughs> bastards. The man has bastards. I, I think that he, he kind of goes through a bit of a list. He basically says like, like yeah there's these over here there's twins over there there's this over here and this is complementary to what ned was just thinking to himself this is a man robert Baratheon was a man who just went to bed with women <laughs> that's yeah. what he did and no yeah. wonder they're are there uh, bastards that kind of came from that
0: we we got some references here to specific ones also there is a, a royally acknowledged bastard uh that we've heard mm-hmm. reference to before at storm's end with renly who specifically was had with a Florent, which is uh, Stannis' wife's house. And it happened specifically on the night of Stannis' wedding yeah. in Stannis' wedding bed, apparently, which is a dick move.
1: Yeah, kind of shit. Uh,
0: <laughs> not great. Uh, we also know that Stannis is the guy who like wanted to ban whore houses. Raffles so, and things, like, yeah. He's not, doesn't sound like he'd find it funny. Uh, and then also a, a pair of twins with a servant at Casterly Rock, who apparently Cersei had killed and then sold the mom to a slaver. Yeah. Which, is, which I think is followed cool.
1: by a comment that says, like, not nice, but makes sense. You know, he yeah. did it at her house, right? <laughs> like, like uh... I,
0: I mean, it is where it well, first of all, I gotta say, it's also followed with a comment. Ned thinks like there are rumors like this about every major house. So yeah. who knows if it's true. Uh, but assuming it is, I mean. Jorah was sentenced to death and fled and is now living in exile because he sold people to a slaver. Mm -hmm. And on top of that murdering infants, like this is not something that happens normally. Uh, Also Ned's against it. He's made that clear. Yeah. He's not a fan of killing children and I'm going to go on record. Neither am I. Don't kill babies people.
1: Yeah. Don't kill your babies or other babies. Maybe let's just keep our hands off babies. No babies. No. Yeah. Just don't have babies okay uh, here we go comp solved i'll uh, i'll go on that that ned ned then turns to to lord baelish and basically gives him a direct question why was john aaron interested in this at all like where did that come from right and baelish i don't i don't feel like he's withholding any deeper information here he basically says well this is what the hand of the king is supposed to do yeah <laughs> like he was doing his job like why it look takes any care of the king's kids with that said, they're here they are in the, the situation that they're in is they're riding away from the brothel, they're going back to yeah. uh, the Red Keep or whatever it might be that they're going to now.
0: Ned does have one last thought uh, after so, yeah. Littlefinger repeatedly emphasizes Robert sleeps around a lot. Ned thinks to himself, I wonder if Rhaegar went to brothels. Somehow he thought not. So, you know, just since we were getting into what do we know about Rhaegar, I wanted to mention that there.
1: Well, it's so funny that you say that because... I have a, a note that I wrote exactly at that moment is wrong side. I, I I wonder, as Ned is having this bit of existential crisis, right, his friend and pseudo-brother Robert is kind of an ass, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of sucks. The kingdom hasn't changed all that much since the political shift and who is actually sitting on the throne. And I wonder if he's starting to ask himself, like, was this war worth it was did i do it was am i on the right side here or am i actually yeah. the bad guy and i don't know if he's getting that deep or if it'll even get anywhere close to that in his thoughts but i was thinking it's at that, least
0: it's at least implicit in his thought yeah, process I, I even if so he's too. not willing to ask it and you know it's interesting you say that i've been listening to this podcast called uh revolutions it's a history podcast okay um by the guy who did history of rome if you remember that one it's uh, i'm enjoying it a lot uh but the first couple of seasons that i've listened to so far revolutions against kings uh, in britain the american revolution and the french revolution and one of the things that comes up a lot in this period of history that i know from this and other things is there's a lot of criticizing the king's counselors because you don't Mm. want to attack the divinity of the king himself
1: Mm. and then
0: you get into a lot of these revolutions obviously not true for the american revolution ultimately ended up true both in England and in France. But you push the king off the throne in response to things that the king has done or the way the system is working at this time. And ultimately, it reverts to a monarchy, but it's a different king. It's a more controlled king. And so you can think that, you know, even if the rebellion against the mad king, which is a rough title to have, who, you know, killed Ned's brother and dad, we know all of that, even if that was justified, the result of putting Robert on the throne and having all of the things that come with that might not have been the preferable way to resolve it. Yeah. And you know, it's worth asking that question. Did we land in a place that actually solved the problems we were talking about?
1: Such a fair question. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that,
1: but they are interrupted uh, on this small journey. Uh, All of a sudden they're surrounded. They're surrounded by Kingsguard. Uh, And more specifically they're surrounded by Lannisters.
0: (laughs) a Kingsguard and then yeah. Lannisters and then yep. Lannisters no, that's kind of crucial this is this is a partisan force that's fair
1: uh and <laughs> I'm gonna just go ahead and uh kind of pat myself on the back a little bit here Dan for a lot of yeah. things that I've been saying about uh
0: silly Ned foremost, Stark's wife yeah that's I, I knew you were gonna go there first things first we also got to give you credit Last time we were talking, you were like, I feel like we haven't seen Jamie in a while. We have that guy back. What's he up she to? Then so here he is causing problems yet again for the Starks. Uh
1: yeah. Although I will say that everything about this situation, I'm on team Lannister.
0: Like, like <laughs> I'm sorry, does on. that include the murder? You- yeah pro murders okay all right. they're not babies
1: <laughs> they're
0: not babies
1: uh and if you're not a baby you got to watch your back so let's let's uh we'll share a little bit about what we're talking about basically um Stark Ned, Ned Stark Baelish and and the small I think three two three other people that are with them uh Ser Jory is with them and then uh I think two other like like Stark men are with them as well um are surrounded and very much outnumbered by this Lannister group led by Jaime. Right. And we are now have some of the situations that we've seen unfold throughout this book kind of coming, th- their responses starting to happen. Something Jaime's, has been incited. Yes. We had inciting incidents. Now something has been and incited. The incitement arises. Uh, <laughs> Jamie basically, it becomes very clear. Jamie's there saying, where's my brother? We know your wife took him. We yeah. know that she took Tyrion. We we know he's not at Winterfell. Where the hell is he? This is well he's kind of being
0: sassy about it. I mean, I i don't know if he knows he's at the eerie or not, but he know like he knows the answer to the questions that he's asking.
1: I'll add that he is quick to point out that Ned is no longer hand of the king. Yes, he is. Uh which which that Peter is Baelish is is trying to say, right? You can't do this to the hand of the king. Right. And Jamie's like, I, this is not the hand of the king anymore. Like, you can't. So I got I
0: to gotta jump in here because this was part of my defense of Catelyn. Uh, you know, hypothetically, maybe boo, I had some advanced boo. knowledge there. But no, she is of the impression that her house and her husband are in certain positions of authority. And I have to assume that somebody we have seen her. I know you like to deny it, but we've seen her be politically savvy. Somebody with her. Background and her knowledge is presumably thinking about that when he makes a move like this. And it just so happens that at that very moment, Ned is in the process of resigning over a moral high ground of not killing babies, which we you know, agreed
1: with. Be that as it may, I don't think that changes what the Lannister reaction would have been, Hand of King or not. I don't think it changes what they did. Like I don't think it would have made a difference on on what the response
0: was. The action Do you think and- this altercation still would have happened, though? If he was the hand of the king, still, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's an attack on the king's body, like that. That's yeah, treason. that's
1: that's fair. I think, I don't know. My issue with a lot of what Catelyn was doing was that it forces Ned to have to 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 stay to a certain path, right? Like, if you can't do this, you can't kidnap the brother of the queen and not expect for that brother's family who the yeah. kingdom owes such debts to to not yeah, come no, back we've had have discussions
0: it. about what the response would be and i'm I, I think you've made a lot of good points on that in terms of tywin reacting by starting a fight starting a war it's just a question of how brazen could they have gotten and how much leverage does ned have over the king by you know mm-hmm. th- this also calls into question how ned would have played it But I'm just saying, from Catelyn's perspective, if Ned is still the hand of the king and he goes to the king and says, your administration is being attacked because I'm being attacked. Tywin Lannister is coming after me when what we're trying to do is bring the king's justice. Nobles aren't exempt from that. The queen's family isn't exempt from that. I'm not exempt from that. But he can't start a war over it. That's a very different situation than what we have here.
1: That's fair. Although the situation did, like situations that led to this moment, did lead to exactly this moment, right? Like yeah. Ned put his foot down. Ned left, and now Ned is in a, Ned, and the Starks as a family is in a horrible position yeah. for what's about to I happen. I mean, if only he had gotten out with that. Mm, if only Dan, are you saying that little? Are you insinuating that Littlefinger's on Team Lannister, and that's they? He whoa. set all of this whoa, up to whoa. begin
0: That's sort of what you're saying. Around left and right. Here. Uh, plan. That is not um, what I'm saying. Uh, we did have a discussion about whether Littlefinger was intentionally keeping Ned around. Yeah, yeah. So you, you do have to wonder what he knew about that.
1: That's true. That's true. Although I will say that the way Littlefinger acts I, in this moment makes me think that he's just as startled and surprised as Ned. Yeah. With that said, Ned becomes surrounded by these Lannisters. There is a back and forth between Ned and Jamie, where Jamie basically says, we know that Catelyn took Tyrion. Right. This is not okay. We're putting our foot down. Uh, And then makes the call saying like hey like we're not obviously going to kill ned stark but kill his men and yeah. that's what they do uh and so sure enough i think it's sir jory and then uh the two others are murdered ned gets injured he's thrown from his horse i think
0: uh yeah.
1: and uh kind of breaks his leg and passes out and wakes up to find himself in the care of uh Pycelle, i think garan Maestro yeah. Pycelle, who's basically saying you are in pain here drink the milk of the poppy go back to sleep end of chapter
0: yeah you know we got a single out our our first three real named deaths that we've seen here
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh will and heward are two of the stark men and then ned's captain the guard jory who's been with us this whole time mm-hmm. died and ned has a very uh very emotional moment in response to that it, it says they find him cradling Jory Cassell's body in his arms. But the other thing worth mentioning before we, we close out this chapter is just the reason why Jamie says, I'm not gonna kill Ned Stark, is because Ned says, if you kill me, Catelyn kills your brother. Uh, and whether or not that's accurate, I think it, it really brings into focus a power dichotomy that we've talked a lot about, which is the class differences, where there hmm. is no fear from Jamie that any reprisal will happen, for killing ned's men even and up to this high member high-ranking member of ned's household catelyn is not going to be doing anything to Tyrion because that would be a line that she can't cross killing right. nobility in exchange for these commoners or these lesser uh yeah. noblemen or, or knights or whatever it may be and so it's just a really stark uh very extreme example of what it is we've been discussing
1: yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent um Without a doubt, I mean, here we are, we're almost 400 pages into this book. This is the stability and the foundations that Ned had stood on really up until about a chapter or two ago is really eroding and coming apart. I'm very interested to see what his reaction is about to be. I'm interested to see what I'm dying to know what's about to happen to Tyrion with Catelyn up in the Eyrie. There's a lot obviously going on right now. I wonder if that war that our two mysterious characters... Uh, Illyrio and whoever the other one is, what they were talking about, if the war that they're talking about trying to withhold like hold off on is mm-hmm. about to erupt, whether they like it to or not. Yeah,
0: just started. Uh yeah, that's a, a great question. And we'll see where it goes from here. I do want to ask specifically about Ned, mm-hmm. where you think things are headed here. I mean, he he suffered a pretty, pretty extreme injury. It says the bone was poking through his calf. and last we see, he's getting milk of the poppy from Maester Pysell. We know that that's what Mr. Pascal was giving John Aaron uh, to deal with pain. We've seen it a bunch of times. Now, sure, but, you yeah. know, John Aaron passed out on milk of the poppy and never woke up. Is Ned at, at risk here? Uh, you know, how? Where do we go from here? Is he? I don't. What, what is he waking up to if he's waking up?
1: Yeah, that's that's a fair question. I think that the first thing is is I don't think he's in danger of being assassinated. If only be like, like that's sort of the similarities between him and John Aaron, right? And and what's happening. I uh, John Aaron, I think John Aaron was assassinated because he had found something. And I don't think We're... Ned's found that thing. So Ned is not in that for whoever it was that conducted that murder on John Aaron. Okay. I don't think that concern is there with Ned yet. So no need to risk it. This is unrelated. <laughs> With that said, I I think Ned, as an individual, is like if I was him, like just dying to get the hell out of King's Landing, go back to Winterfell, bunker right. down. Except he is injured. I can only imagine now that he's going to be potentially dragged back into sort of the king's nonsense, whether that's to be back as hand of the king or to deal with Baratheon or whatever. Yeah, what's that might be. Robert's
0: reaction to all this?
1: Well, I honestly about Robert, I don't think that. Ro- I think Robert's going to be the same character that he's been, which is, you know, the sort of like elbow, you know, your buddy in the side and whisper like, man, if only it was the old days. It's too bad I'm so tethered to these political intrigues. You know, you can't. Yeah,
0: but I mean, there has now been an attack by the brother of the queen on the just barely not hand of the king. Mm -hmm. Is Robert going to do something? Is there going to be a punishment on Jamie or on Ned for... Cat taking Tyrion? Is he gonna have some sort of reaction in one direction or the other?
1: I really think that the the sort of like line that I've come to expect from from Robert is a blustery fix this, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to deal with this, I don't want these problems. You need to yeah, get this very character. Get Tyrion back, talk to your woman, you know, deal with the Lannisters. But he he's so hands-off. I don't think that he's going to do more than like a, a little bit of shouting, uh, perhaps right. early in a chapter without much, a lot of bark with not a lot of bite that's going to follow.
0: All right. Fair enough. Shall we keep moving?
1: Let's do it. Second chapter that we read, uh, second of two is going to be Daenerys. What was that? Danny four, you said? Four.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's oh, been a while since we've seen her. The last time we saw her was she was on this this trip through Essos headed towards base Dothrak, and now she's here. That's, uh, that's the big opening we've got.
1: And where is here? I actually really loved one of the ways that the chapter starts off is her saying, like, they got to the gates of the city and she didn't know why they needed them because there was no wall going around, right? The doors to the city, but no
0: walls. Yeah. yeah, so so Ves Dothrak is the Dothraki city. Uh, we know that there are nomadic people, the horse riding people. So this is it's more of a city in structure than in population. I think is the way to think about it. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, a place they stop off as they continue moving around. Um, we do learn over the course of this chapter just some background on it. One of those things is that the only permanent resident residents of of this city are these women called the Doshkaleen, who Viserys refers to as the crones, but that's not. The old crones. Kind of, yeah, that's really all we've got about them. But they live here full time. They have slaves and servants that live with them. Uh, but otherwise, the various khalasar pass through. Um, they have to all treat each other like they're part of one big khalasar. They're not allowed to fight here. Uh, it's just Dothraki or Dothraki. Um, but they pass through. There is prophecy that says they'll all come back as one united khalasar someday. So it's big enough to hold everyone. So you have to imagine it's it's never really that full.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and one of the other aspects of the culture surrounding the city is we do learn that it's forbidden to shed blood here or carry a bleed. So mm-hmm. they really do. You know, this is a very martial people, a very war oriented people. And we learn that this is kind of their sanctuary city in that sense. You can't do any of that here.
1: I, I was just astounded by sort of the beauty that went into it. I'm I'm actually mm-hmm. a big fan of the Daenerys show, or I've come to be a big fan of these chapters, where, you know, even just the chapter we were just talking about, you know, Ned Nine or whatever it was that we were just doing, uh, you know, the, you those know, chapters, Nine. those chapters are so full of these different thought processes and different, you know, narratives and narrative lines and, and things that are going on. Daenerys' chapters are really straightforward. And so she's she's getting to the city and it is, uh, from what I was reading, just gorgeous. Filled with these sort of statues and remnants of different cultures that have been taken from by the Dothraki and, and conquered. And, yes,
0: it's the British Museum.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Exactly. I also like, too, that uh, there's a comment about how the houses that are built there are none of them look the same right. and then in fact that it's because the dothraki people they like you're saying they're nomadic they don't build their houses that the houses are actually built by the 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 slaves they're the prisoners taken from wars right. and they're just yeah, they just make them yeah they make them in the in the style that they came from
0: right there's also just an interesting note on top of that like you said they've got this gate but not the walls uh and the gate itself, I just really love this because I've, I've always been a sucker for giant statues. Yeah. Um, I remember I was a kid I'm learning about the uh, Colossus of Rhodes and being mm. really disappointed it wasn't there anymore. And then I learned that like the Statue of Liberty is bigger than it used to be. so like. I was like, oh, okay, I don't really notice the Statue of Liberty very much. But like, <laughs> no, shit's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're two gigantic bronze stallions rearing with their hooves meeting 100 feet above the roadway. Like, that's a that's a pretty dope gate. So I don't think you need walls for that.
1: I'll say that in a simultaneous breath with the descriptions of this city and the beauty of it and the largesse of it, uh, there is also comments continuing to happen around Viserys. And right. God, this guy who was so shitty to begin with continues to find a way to get shittier. It's, it's uh, impressive.
0: He's setting new records.
1: It really is, and in fact, it, it, it's. And, and I'll actually add though, more than this is just continued commentary around the shittiness of Viserys. Uh, we hear that he was, you know, laughed at for walking when he was forced to walk by Danny in an earlier chapter. They call and him then the
0: swordfoot king i like yeah that.
1: and then he was offered by cal Drogo himself you know why don't you ride on the wagon which is actually he didn't even realize Viserys that uh this is a worse insult to go ahead and do that it's for it's for pregnant women and tiny children and old people yeah and old yeah and and uh but it continues to to stay this way viserys continues to be just obnoxious just a real piece of shit uh, at the same time daenerys is really Coming into her own as a, uh, I, I want to say as a queen, but I don't mean it so far that way yet. I'm not seeing her yet as a queen yet, mm-hmm. but I am seeing her come into her, into her own period. She is becoming her own woman. She understands that she has authority and rights, and she understands that she is held in quite high esteem by the right. king of these people and gets a lot of respect. And Viserys's shit is starting to become offensive to her. Uh, yeah, and it's I fun really to see the, that growth.
0: I really love the, the contrast that is developed between Viserys' comments about the Dothraki, which kind of echo uh not things that Danny said, but at least things we saw through her eyes during the wedding chapter that we talked about with them. Uh, you know, they're savages, they're so other, they don't even understand me. They're so different that it disturbs, it did disturb her. And now he's openly commenting on it in this offensive way. And her response now in direct contrast with where she was is, no, those are my people. You're just not seeing what's actually there. You're not looking underneath the surface. uh, And you're so stuck in those blinders that it's making you worse off. You're not noticing when they're making fun of you. You're wearing these shitty clothes that are falling apart. You know, Like, like you should be paying more attention to what they're doing right. And copying that for this world that they're used to and less focus on, ew, they're different. I don't want to be like them.
1: Viserys continues to just carp about he's saying, where's my army? I was promised an army uh, and just being kind of shitty about that. Just a shit human. But, right. you know, he goes and storms off and does whatever he wants, whatever. He kind of disappears a little bit. And Daenerys starts to have a conversation with Sir And Sir Jorah is like, that kid sucks. <laughs> like, like, yeah. man, Viserys sucks. He doesn't listen and goes on to even talk about like Viserys is thinking of this as like a, as a merchant trade, right? Like he sold you, and he's going to get an army in response. He he has right. to come to terms with the fact that this is not how the Dothraki think. This was not a merchant trade. He'll get his his army, but he can't be talking about it like this. He can't be approaching it like
0: this. Yeah, and I mean the other thing is it's interesting. We've seen political betrothals back in Westeros where they come from, and you know, call Drogo's version of at this system is closer to Westeros than what Viserys is talking about. Mm-hmm. You don't buy and sell women there. You say, oh, my kid will marry your kid. Your kid will marry my kid. It'll happen this day. We'll have an alliance. It's it's all very soft discussion, soft negotiation. And while maybe this is a cultural norm for the Dothraki outside of the marriage context, you know, maybe, maybe this is just how they trade generally. Uh, at least here in this world, Viserys is at a minimum... Committing a massive faux pas, even yeah. back in Westeros.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I will say I did I did want to linger a bit on this conversation that Danny has with Sir Jorah. Um they're they're I'll call them friends. I mean, he's he's somebody who speaks her native tongue, if you or I don't know, native tongue, but they both right. speak the like like the not Dothraki language. Um and, and uh, she seems to have taken him into confidence a little bit and they're talking, but something kind of surprised me. We know Sir Jorah, we know from the books that, that Sir Jorah is, is a spy uh, or is at least feeding information back to the, uh, to King's Landing. With that said, this conversation was a little surprising to me about what Sir Jorah was sharing. Danny's asking, do you think we could win a war? And mm-hmm. Sir Jorah, you know, against, against, you know, the, the seven kingdoms, right? Like against uh, Robert Baratheon and taking back the yeah, iron.
0: throne we come film. in and take over?
1: So, Sir Jorah is kind of like, let me give you details. Let me tell right. you what I think. Let me go. And I thought, I, th- I thought of this as very surprising. I thought of it as in one of two. Like I thought of it two different ways, and that it could be one of two of them. Okay. One is that Sir Jorah is so confident that this is such a non-threat to Westeros, to the kingdom mm-hmm. across the uh, the the sea, I guess. I. Uh, that sure, who cares what he shares, right? Like, yeah, I think ten thousand, a thousand Dothraki could kill ten thousand of the right. the mainland people, but it's not on. You couldn't do it, and Khal could could. You guys lack the intelligence, whatever. The other is—is is it struck me that maybe my understanding of what a spy is is actually a little different than the situation? It's not that he was placed here intentionally, perhaps, right? Like, it's right. not that he was a spy who was trained and sent and placed here intentionally to spy he was an outcast who was put on the run who has found a way to potentially regain a direction back towards quote unquote home Uh by giving information but maybe he has not a lot of love for for you know westeros and the king who sits there and in fact he clearly has no love for ned stark uh as he spits as he says his name talking to danny
0: and so it was just interesting
1: that way yeah
0: we we do know, like Varys m- mentioned when saying that he was a spy, that he was looking for a pardon. But his goal was mm-hmm, was to come right. home. Uh, that is not he's not a political agent. He was he did actually run from a criminal punishment, mm-hmm. and he did actually move into exile at that point. So we know that for sure. Like, this wasn't somebody Varys sent, right? Yeah, to go bed in with the Targaryens. Um, and we know that you know he's not doing this for political reasons either. He's doing it for selfish ones. Let me let me throw out a third possibility for you. Yep. The last time we saw Westeros getting information on Daenerys, it turned into an assassination plot.
1: Mm.
0: Maybe he knows that that's coming, and that's why there isn't going to be any risk of them going over mm. Westeros and take things.
1: That's fair. Although I'm hard pressed on that because there's no internet like just because information came one direction doesn't mean that it's going back the next direction. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So, so yeah,
0: yeah, that's for sure. I will say in terms of timing, we don't have a strict timeline here. Mm, uh, fair, yeah. But we do know that Danny was pregnant somewhere along the journey, like before they got here. So it easily could have been some time since True. he sent the message back and they sent one in return. Like it didn't have to be instant communication. For us, it was a chapter or two chapters ago uh but in the world it could have been significant time just Yeah, so,
1: somewhere but... within nine months right. <laughs> right she hasn't had the kid yet
0: right uh um... I I do want to mention also the intelligence that he gives her is, is also interesting in itself I mean intelligence the insights into the political players because the conversation mm-hmm. is uh Viserys says uh Danny says that Viserys tells her 10,000 Dothraki warriors will be able to sweep the seven kingdoms do you think that's true Jorah says not with him leading it uh, but maybe with somebody else uh, they're much better fighters than the Westerosi most of the Westerosi army is going to be peasants not actual knights and uh, and so who knows you know they easily could the problem is if the Westerosi are smart they'll stay in the castles the Dothraki right. are never going to besiege them and then this is the the critical po- point Danny says do you think they are that smart and he says well you know, Robert's counselors, sure, Ned, Ty Tywin, uh, these people are not going to let him, uh, they're going to tell him not to do the stupid thing. But Robert has the same kind of stupid honor that the Dothraki do, that, you know, right. you got to go out, you got to fight him. And that strikes me as, as a pretty good insight into Robert there.
1: Agreed. And I think that it's like, it takes what we saw of Robert wanting to fight in the melee, you know, to the next level as well, right? Like, yeah. he's a barbarian is what he is. He's a Viking. and. and- He's, he's not there to play politics. He's not there to do the right things. He's there to be a beast. Right. Uh, but with that said, Sir Jorah and Danny have this conversation. And I mean, the truth is, is that, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to like belittle this chapter because I really love this chapter. Not Not a ton happens, happens. We learn a lot about the landscape of where they are. We learn about right. these prophetesses of the Dothraki culture. We know that Kal Drogo is going up to kind of make his sacrifice that he makes, you know, coming back out of honor. Danny is feeling much more comfortable. Uh, she's right. clearly very pregnant at this moment. She's uncomfortable being pregnant. She's excited for the rest. And unless you have anything to add, I was just going to move to when she goes and wants to call Viserys to come to dinner and, and kind of share some gifts with him.
0: Yeah, just a, a quick note in the middle here. She gets you know talked to by one of Kaldrogo's blood riders, and we reference this, but not really what they are. Uh, so I'm just going to give the background there. That you know these are they're like Kingsguard, they're bodyguards, but they're closer. Uh, she refers to them as brothers, fiercest friends. Uh, but also, when the call dies, they die too. You can think of it as like a retainer death, which we've mm-hmm. talked about before. Uh, but she thinks you know this sounds great the Guard isn't good enough. They let my father die. They let Rhaegar die. Two of them even went over to Robert. One of them was right. the one that killed my father. Uh, my kid, when I have my son, he goes and becomes king. He's going to have blood riders. Uh, and so I just think this is kind of going along with what we were just talking about, about her adapting to the space that she's in. She is looking at the ways of the Dothraki and, and figuring out what she likes about them in an honest sense, rather than just rejecting it as different and finding ways to bring that into her own life and into her own culture in, in a positive direction
1: yeah absolutely um it does move she kind of like like goes and gets comfortable in her tent and and whatever that is and
0: there she drogos palace which is kind of right? like a wooden barn i imagine it like top. a yurt uh i was and, thinking like a viking longhouse
1: yeah oh okay uh but regardless uh she she's she's trying to take care of her brother at this point she says let's let's have a nice meal for him and she's actually mm-hmm. bought him all this nice uh clothing basically and had it decorated with dragons and things that's a little more appropriate like we were you were talking about earlier it's right a little, a little more,
0: more dothraki yeah
1: uh if not for the culture then for the temperature and the weather and and right. all this. uh she asks her maid to to go and and ask her brother to come join her for dinner and finds her brother comes back uh very angry uh as he always seems to be and uh basically says how dare you you know how dare you order me anything what how dare you command me to do anything and you know Daenerys says well I I, I didn't miscommunication my servant said right. you know the queen commands you but really I was just saying please invite my brother back she says look at all these nice things that I got for you and he says I would these are disgusting I would never wear this how dare right. you as well you think I'm savage. And he actually goes to make like a violent move on her, basically uh, not terribly, but enough to to you know be obnoxiously violent. I don't know. Well, to the
0: say. line that sets him off is such a great moment for Danny because she she uh, without even thinking kind of puts him right in his place. He says, "Oh, next you're gonna braid my hair." But you braid your hair when you win battles, which is what she says. Right. She says you have no right to a braid, you have won no victories yet. <laughs> that's when he that's when he gets violent. And you know, you think back to when we very the very beginning of when we met her, kind mm-hmm. of quailing in the face of his violence and afraid of his anger. She never would have said something like this. And here she does it, it's out of her mouth before she even realizes it. So talk about character growth that we've seen here.
1: Yeah and i'll take it one step further right she basically turns around and says get get the fuck off me like if you touch me like that again i'm calling the guards in and i'll have them bash her brains in, basically like uh
0: well she she does she hits him
1: that's right oh that's right she takes uh, the sort of ornate belt that she got for him and uh smashes it across his face and draws blood even yeah um she and this goes back to what i was saying she's really coming into her own she understands that this is not her big protective brother who does what he wants anymore she really is her own person is coming much more becoming much more comfortable in that i think that that, that, that the chapter the chapter ends in i think a really wonderful way and and that it pulls together a lot of what what we've already touched on right like like you've got ser jorah basically saying you know definitely viserys can't win a war doesn't matter how many soldiers he has he's not the man to do it and you have her you know coming into her own and she asks for one of her servants to bring her one of the dragon eggs that she got from, uh, from Illyrio as a gift. Mm -hmm. And she feels such warmth from it and comfort all the time. And she feels like she draws strength from it. And in fact, as she's falling asleep, cradling it, she hears her baby, her in Euro baby kind of giving a voice saying, you're the dragon. You are the person to have like the strength and power. Uh, That's that's an interesting read.
0: I, I don't think that's wrong. Uh, I read it as her saying that to her baby. Uh, you know, the baby and the dragon kind of reach out to each other. And that's interesting. It could be the baby kind of speaking through her to the dragon or to her even, or her speaking to them.
1: Yeah, and I know that in the in the chapter that it is her saying those words out loud, but okay. I, I I did read it as a, you know, her sort of voicing the child inside her, but, but six of one have a dozen is the other, I think. like Like she's feeling a real power and strength whether it's in her in her or in her because of the babies in her yeah,
0: and this this dragon motif that she has has really mirrored her growth as a character and her strength as a character. You know, we had a dream early on where the Saris kind of turns into the dragon, but then she's able to greet it. And then later on, she becomes the dragon and now it's kind of anthropomorphized through her pregnancy. Uh, and so you kind of see this being more and more internalized on her end about who the dragon is and, and her ability to draw strength from that.
1: I agree. I think that, you know, and and, and I feel like a, a bit of a skipping record as I say this because I feel like I say this every time we end up seeing Danny. But like the the growth of Danny as a character, of her role in what seems to be the building of an army of some kind, right? Like like what this might mean, and starting to, for her to think about this, even in the conversation she was having with Sir Jorah, seems like such a much more important. You know, activity in what's going on in this world than sort of the weird infighting and sniping that's happening over in, uh, in in uh, King's Landing. Um, yeah. s- same with sort of the White Walkers. You know, the Others above the Wall. We were talking about this in the recap, right? Like, there are some significant implications happening across this world right now. They're not the thing that's major on everybody's mind. In fact, right. You know, a lot of it is not that interesting at all to 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 the characters that we spend a lot of time with.
0: We also we talked about this during our recap episode, but, you know, there's there's some characters who are building up a position and building up a base and strength. And Danny is such a clear cut example of that, where she's coming to her her, into her own, uh, both as a person, but also as an authority figure, as somebody in power, in a sense. And you compare that to kind of Ned's cracking ice uh, and, and his difficulties that we're seeing in King's Landing. It's such a contrast between. Uh that ascent versus that descent.
1: Yeah. But that wraps us up with uh Danny and chapter the two second of the two chapters that we read. Where where are we going next?
0: Yeah, so so we're gonna stick to this two-chapter format for a little while, uh, because things are staying busy. So that's gonna bring us to brand five and Tyrion Five. So a couple episodes without seeing what happens to Ned here.
1: Let's go, Tyrion. I'm ready for some Lannisters. I Again.
0: bet. I bet. And we're gonna find out if uh, if they're gonna make the bad man flock.
1: And I hope they do, but you know, nicely.
0: Yeah, of course. All right. Well, uh, I'll talk to you next time.
1: Awesome, Dan. Thanks so much.
0: That's all for this episode. Next week we'll be discussing two chapters: A Game of Thrones, Brand Five, and Tyrion Five. If you enjoy our episodes, please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, and tell us your feedback or thoughts on Twitter at Bros B R O S with banners. Thanks, as always, for listening.